Good afternoon, Marge Hashi. Did I say it correctly? Close. That's fine. Okay, now you, you have to say it Hashi. Hashe. Hashe. See, yes. you've got it's such fine. a nice way to say it. Yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. I've been so excited about this interview. You are such a woman of inspiration. Everything you've accomplished, everything you've done in your professional life, especially everything you've done in your personal life. Now, just before we got on camera, you shared something with me that just really sort of gets to my heartstrings. You are a cancer survivor. I am, yes. I'm very, very fortunate. I. I lived in the Vivian Forest for a few years, which is up near east of Aurora, just to give you a demographic of where it is. And um, they opened up a health spa down the hill from where I lived. And uh, it was run by two medical doctors. And I thought, oh, this sounds wonderful. And they had an indoor saltwater pool. So I started going there after work. But I asked the doctor about, you know, I always struggled with my weight, you know, a common battle for a lot of women. And oh, so yes. I, right. And I said to him, you know, can you put me on some sort of program to help me get the weight off? And he says, before we do that, we're going to do give you a good checkup. He said, mm -hmm. we're going to do an ultrasound of your carotid artery, because if there's any plaque buildup, it shows there. And we're going to do an abdominal ultrasound. Well, um, I'd had ultrasounds before, but never abdominal. And when he got the results back, I went to see him and, you know, we're talking and all of a sudden he's reading the file and he takes his glasses off and starts rubbing his eyes. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I said, Andrew, you're scaring me. <laughs> what? He says, I can't believe what I'm reading. He says, you have a mass on your left kidney, the size of the kidney, and also a mass on your right kidney. He says, we have to deal with this right away. So it was pretty and no sign, no signal, Nothing. regular checkup yeah. saying, he says to me, thing. you know, aren't you having any pain? And I said, well, no, but sometimes when I sit too long, because we often do when we have our own businesses and we're sitting at a computer a long time, I said, I get stiff and uncomfortable, but I also had a prolapsed uterus and I chalked it up to that. So you talked anyway. it away. You talked it away. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so anyway, just to give a Reader's Digest version, within six weeks, I had my left kidney removed and my right kidney partly removed. And uh, I'm happy to report that was 15 years ago today. But I always remember the day I had to go and meet the surgeon at Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto. And he explained everything to me. And from there, I had to leave to go to my company Christmas party and tell everyone what a wonderful year we'd had, how proud I was of all the things they'd done. And, you know, I always said to afterwards, I said to my husband, you know, I should have had an Academy Award for that. Performance. I was just gonna say that. I bet you, you looked gorgeous, like how you do now with your hair and your makeup done and just so, but you know, that goes back to why I started the I Am Unbreakable women have to wear so many masks sometimes. And you really did want to show up, not that you had to, because I know the type of people that you surround yourself with, and I know everybody would have embraced you lovingly, but you put yourself in the, in the back for the moment. Mm -hmm. And as a leader, you stepped up like a rock star 
and just applauded everybody knowing the fight that you had ahead of you. Mm -hmm. And wow, that, you know, this was just a perfect opening question because to me, for people who don't know you and don't know what you have accomplished, that is it. That's your whole life is just your leadership, your strength, everything is just so incredible. And so you go, you go, you go to the Christmas party, you do all that. Then I think it was pretty quick afterwards that you went in, right? Mm -hmm. It was. And then what happened? They got me in very quickly. Um, And it was because his wife worked there and was an oncologist, quite frankly. It's not always what you know, it's who you know and what you know that gets things done. Sadly, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And so you went in when in January, is that what you said? Went in the end of January and then I had six weeks recovery at home. But um, at that time, you know, it's a few years ago now, I was constantly on my BlackBerry because I had a large business to run at the same time. But I was fortunate, I had a good team behind me that supported me. You know, often when you hire people, we don't empower them to do things that we would normally want to do ourselves. And that forced me to really delegate and empower the people I had around me. So it almost changed your leadership style Mm -hmm. because as an entrepreneur, and some people might refer to it sort of as a small business mentality, I don't. Uh, When you say something like that, I so can relate because you wanna do it, you wanna have it a certain way. Of course you need a team to assist and to execute, but you really wanna show that powerful leadership style that you are so used to. But I think that there is so much value in what you're saying. I've got one of my TED Talks, as you know, um, is about the power of vulnerability. And talk about how for you, especially somebody like you having to be vulnerable and to tell people, this is what I'm enduring. This is what I'm going through. How was that for you? Yes. Well, you know, I didn't tell anyone till the last minute. My two sons worked with me at that time and it was right before Christmas. I didn't want them to know and ruin the holiday for them. And so my sister and my husband knew and that was it. Uh, for that period of time till after the holidays. And then I shared with them that, you know, this was happening. And I mean, they were concerned, but um, I felt very positive. I had really great doctors and, um, you know, I was just really, um, it was just another problem to face, you know, okay, we've got this, let's deal with it, let's get it fixed. And I was so fortunate, Adrian, because I didn't need chemo. I didn't need radiation. They got everything with surgery. That is that is rare and that is awesome and you know bravo to the docs um, and your team but I mean I guess it just goes back to saying you're just you just go through like you said like people think of the c word and they're terrified and yeah. you know rightfully so I'm sure there must have been a part of you that was scared and terrified not to be there if you think of your children and your family but you were just sort of like, okay, let's get this done. And I think it was, it's all about the mindset, right? You're very, very strong. And I got to go to the best doctors. I mean, the doctor that did my surgery was the head of Euro oncology. I mean, I was so fortunate. I really was, you know, I always say that medical spa was in the right place at the right time for me. It really was. And it really is all about timing sometimes Marge, as we all know. But now just to sort of go back just for one more moment is what helps you get into that 
strong mindset. So we, everybody talks about mindset and motivation. And, you know, somebody said to me the other day and we we're talking about, and they sounded like they knew what they were talking about. They're like, I don't really even get what the whole mindset and mindfulness is. And, and I, I said, you know, it's just, you know, kind of the rules that you make for yourself and your belief system and your discipline and your work ethic. So what, if somebody didn't know you and for our listeners that are sort of meeting you for the first time, what is your mindset to get you through not only the, the cancer and the recovery and the Christmas party, but sort of like from your Uber success, which we'll talk about in a moment to today, what is your mindset? You know, I've always had a very positive attitude. You know, it's the glass half full. And, yes. and I really attribute that to my parents. You know, we emigrated here one, to Canada from my mother was Greek and my father was British. They met during the war. Wow. And um, they always instilled in my sister and I that we could do whatever we wanted to do and they would support us. So we got to try things that maybe typically <laughs> girls wouldn't do. Like I had my first business. I'm a serial entrepreneur, as you know. I had my first business at the age of 10. We have um, such similar stories. Okay, and now I need to know what your first business was. Okay. Who tell? Okay, do you know what tropical fish are, the little guppies? Of course I know what tropical fish are. Absolutely. <laughs> so they breed like crazy. So I never had a problem with inventory. So I used to sell guppies to Woolworths. Remember Woolworths? Department store? I, Woolworths, Byway, all of, yeah, before Walmart and the Giants took over. Right. Yes. Woolworth, that is awesome. Really? So we sold them for a nickel each, Adrian, but Woolworths turned around and sold them for 19 cents because at that age, we hadn't figured out how to eliminate the middleman. Oh, not yet. Not yet. That was in the bigger plan, right? Right. You know, you're like, hmm, there's more to learn here. Okay, so then we sold guppies for a few years, and that is crazy to be able to be selling it to such a big, huge outlet. Like, I mean, if you look back now, the hoops we need to jump through to get to somebody like a Walmart or Woolworth, but you were right in there saying, you know, inventory will never be an issue. And what happened after that? Yeah, well, you know, it kind of fizzled out as we got a little older and, and weren't into <laughs> tropical fish as much. And um, but, you know, school, of course, gets keeps you busier and one thing and another. And uh, my first I was actually my first business when I lied about my age when I was 14 and I got a job at Loblaws. Oh, my God. <laughs> Whatever it takes. No, you bent the truth. You did not lie. You bent the exactly. truth. I like that. One day you were going to be 16. Okay. So you got a job at Loblaws. Loblaws, working in in the grocery store, you know, just learning all the ins and outs of that. And and it was a great job while I was in high school. It really was because I could take the bus and I I really gained my independence by having money, you know, then to do what I wanted to do. So, uh, so that was great. And, and I ended up marrying the boy next door. My husband lived next door to me. Oh, <laughs> isn't that no. the love story of all times? You don't hear many of those anymore. No, no. I've only got one person from high school that married their high school sweetheart boy next door, and they're still together. Yeah. I love that because you were telling me when we were at the event, 
you were like, yeah, see, that's something my husband would do. He would wait in the car for hours and pay. that's what? so nice. Oh, God very What's so his I name? Was lucky too. <laughs> oh, okay, we, I wasn't going to go there. Darn straight. He's lucky. So what's his name? Norm, Norm, Norm. There you go. So you meet Norm, you have a couple of kids, two boys, right? Two boys. Yeah. And I did stay home for nine years, Adrian. I was very fortunate that I could stay home. But when my youngest started school full time, I thought, okay, it's time for Marv to get back to work. And um, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And my sister-in-law at the time was actually selling Avon. <laughs> Talked me into doing that too. Wow, really? And I said, no, no, I couldn't possibly do that. But I did. The next thing you know, I had one of those green bags and I'm out the door. You know, like, well, I would have thought you would have had the pink Cadillac within the first year. <laughs> Just saying. So oh. anyway, I, I actually was hired by Avon to go into management. And I worked for them for five years. And then oh, Avon, sorry, I'm thinking. Remember yeah, that's Mary okay. Faith? Same thing. Yeah. There <laughs> you go. Very similar. But um, I, I worked for five years at, for corporate. And I had about 200 women working for me. And, uh, you know, and built million dollar businesses selling at that time, they were $1.99 tubes of lipstick. Well, yes. So it was quite interesting. I could probably write a book about that area. I was just going to say, you know, that whole model of Avon, if you really think about it, I feel personally empowered so many women because a lot of these women were stay at home moms, right? A lot of yep. them were homemakers. They were wanting to gain a little more financial independence and you gave them a business and a business model and said, away you go yeah. and look at the beautiful, like you said, it just gives me the goosebumps because these women were creating, like you said, these million dollar yeah. businesses under, you know, their leader. So yes. that or beside their leader, I should say, that's mm -hmm. wonderful. So then after five years there, I decided if I'm going to work this hard, I'm going to work for Marg. And that's when I decided to start my own business. That's amazing. And then there we go. That's where the real races start. So mm -hmm. let me ask you this before we get into the business part of things. How did you juggle? And, and you know, I have four boys and I think I've got every juggling routine down packed from doing corporate calls, hiding in like laundry rooms and bathrooms and, you know, do, doing business calls in the car and doing all this fun stuff in between hockey and all that. But how did you juggle motherhood and your very big career? Well, when I decided to go back to work full time, so initially going back into corporate life, we had a family meeting because I've been home, as I said, for nine years doing everything that they required, basically. And I said, you know, mom's going to go to work full time now. So guess what? Everybody's going to have to pitch in and help. And, you know, they got chores to do and they got things to do to help me. And they were, very, you know, I said, this will afford us other things like taking trips and and going to Disney World and things like that. So there was motivation there for them to help. Oh me. yeah, every people call it blackmail. To me, I'm like the reward system. It is the reward system. It's however you frame it, right? That's right. But, but you're right. It it gives you that little bit more of financial freedom to be able to do things with the family. So that's great that you actually had that open communication with them. Obviously, Norm supported you. The boys yeah. supported you. 
and then you were off to the races. Did you ever feel pulled between being at home? Like you said, and I'm just going to say this, even though, and myself included, and I have my mom who lives with us, she's wonderful. She's definitely helps me out tremendously. Still a lot fell on your shoulder and falls on. I don't want to say falls on, but there's still always things to do. Family doesn't mm -hmm. matter what it is. There's shopping, there's this, there's that, there's holidays. So did you ever feel torn between the two or you just did like this juggling act and you were really, really good at it? Or what was like, was there any secrets that you felt, you know, that really helped you through? There were sometimes, I mean, people always say to me, Mark, how do I get balance? You know, how do I find balance between work and family and personal life? And, and I said, there's no such thing. Like there's no, stop trying to look for it. Finally, there's, somebody who says the truth. Okay. There's a blend. There's a blend. Oh. So you just have to find your own blend and what works for you. Interesting. So I love the fact that you said that because sometimes, and different generations, some mostly younger will say, oh, you know, I only work four week, four day work weeks and that allow, and I'm like, that's great. I'm still seven days a week, 24, seven, 365. <laughs> It's where I thrive and I don't mean 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And we have, you know, and maybe because the kids are older, I still carve out special time for us, which mm -hmm. I'm sure you did too. And then, but you still mm -hmm. had your work things yeah. as well. We kind of make it work for both family and home, right? We do. But, but there is no exact balancing act. I feel like no matter what, at some point, one might suffer this day, then this day we're doing everything great, then this day this needs more attention. So that's sort of how you went through everything, right? So uh, so you, the balancing act, were you allowed to work at home at this point? No, no, that just wasn't an option when I started my business. I had to be there, I was on the road, I had an office, and um, at, um, I lived in the east end of the city and the office was near the airport originally when I started, just the way things happen. And, um, but you know what, you make it work. You just make it work for you. And um, it was exciting. The biggest challenge I faced, I mean, don't forget, I'm a woman in 1980 starting a tech company. Um, I couldn't get money. Who's gonna loan you any money? You know, people, like banks wouldn't loan you money, not a woman starting a business on her own at that time. Thank goodness it's much better now, it's changed. But so the only asset we had was the family home. So I thought, okay, the only way I'm gonna get this, I wanted to buy a 3M dealership and it was $40,000. Oh, so wow. I said to Norm, we need to put a mortgage on the house, okay? <laughs> the only joint asset we had. Oh, and that's adorable. Yeah, and so we went together. He had to have separate legal counsel because we were joint owners of the property. And uh, when we got to meet with the lawyers, they actually asked him, Adrian, were you coerced in any way? And he said he was, and he loved every minute of it. <laughs> I thought, I'm gonna choke him when I get him in the car. But anyway, I got the money. <laughs> I love that. He has, you know, being married to a strong woman like you, he definitely has to have that sense of humor. And I'm sure you guys, 
you know, to this day, it's going to be one of those jokes that you'll forever be laughing about. That's right. I love that. And then, so, you know, it's funny because I, and I think I had mentioned to you that I'm writing a book. It's sort of like hindsight because I never, and I, I know you were the same way. My parents also had two girls. So it was me and my sister, but I was also taught and brought up like you can do anything gender never played a role in it so i was always very shocked when people wouldn't let me do something because i was a girl and i was the first girl that ever got to take auto remember we were kind of segregated into home ec typing and cooking and the boys got to go off to auto so of course i marched down to the office i'm like i want to twist a wrench they're like absolutely not away you go And for three weeks, I bugged him and I bugged him, the principal. And I'm like, just explain why. And he's like, fine, you're a girl. And I'm like, so like, that was my first signal Mm -hmm. from the outside world telling me I couldn't do something because I was a girl. It was very shocking to me. And I'm like, but I want to be independent and having a car and knowing how to change oil and change a tire. That's important to me. Mm So looking at your story and listening to your story at the bank, were you, was that sort of your first external signal from the outside world saying, "Mm, well, you're a woman, so let's do it this way. And let's, yeah. do you think that was the first signal for you? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, but think of this, things have changed. Like my granddaughter right now took shop in high school and she's just in her last semester of getting her degree in automotive engineering. You know, so for the girl. Changed. You know, they they really have. Changed they and have. Of course they have. Yes. But, you know, it's funny. Arlene Dickinson just wrote something, I think, last month, where she said, and I can't remember the exact date, but it was something like in the 1960s or something like that was the first time that women were allowed to have their own bank accounts. And when you really look back, that wasn't that long ago. So as you and I are talking, what I want the young up and coming leaders to understand, just like when I look back at my mother and my grandmother and our ancestors, is that, you know, before even the word, you know, breaking glass ceilings was even around or coined, they were breaking the glass ceilings, right? And then we came in and we have to continue to, you know, close the gap and, continue their mission that they started, which why that uh, event uh, that we uh, were invited to was so amazing how they sort of paid tribute to the Fab Five. And so going back to what you're saying, it has changed a lot. It hasn't changed enough. And so you are not finished your mission. I feel like you are just starting a whole nother mission with empowering all these wonderful, amazing women. So can you tell us a little bit, you want to finish off what happened with your tech company? Cause that too is just a brilliant story. And then well, let's lead yeah. into what you're doing now. All right. Okay. So it, you know, I always say I was an overnight success in 20 years. So from 1980 to the year 2000, oh. I grew the business to over 50 million in revenue with seven offices across the country and a staff of 180. Wow. So, you know, there's a lot of lessons learned in those 20 years, but that's, we'll share that in another podcast, Adrian. Oh, you're going to write a book, Marge. If you haven't already started, you're writing a book, but that's, yes, that's I have another. the title, but I don't have the book yet. What's the title? 
Uh, it's a little tongue-in-cheek, but it's the joy of six. Ooh, I like that. The six elements to running a successful business. You heard it first here. Once you start being a number one bestseller on Wall Street. Okay. okay. So, so anyway, sold the business twice. And again, we really need wine for that story. So that's another podcast. Oh, and we will be doing that podcast, by the way. Today so, is only Red Bull or not Red Bull. Sorry, uh, Rockstar Monster. There you go. Oh, very good. <laughs> well, after I sold the business, I really thought I would retire and spend more time with my grandchildren. I have four. I soon discovered they don't have time for me. So the women on my advisory board, actually, we had a retirement party. And the next day, they said, Marg, we're having a meeting. And I said, a meeting? They said, yes. So I walked into this room, and they had a sign up, Marg's Next Adventure. Oh, come on. That's amazing. This was my advisory board. They went around the table, and they said, we see you doing this. And each one of them told me what they saw me doing going forward. And it was all about the fact that I'd mentored women, I'd helped other women be successful. We see you doing that. Absolutely. So that's what encouraged me to start. And I was going to start building advisory boards myself. And one of the gals said to me, well, Barb Mowat has started something like that out in Vancouver. And I had an office out there. I'd worked with Barbara. She does incredible conferences. We're actually having one next April. And, um, she, we started talking and I said, look, I'm thinking of doing something like you're doing. So let's get together. And we flew to meet each other. And here we are 12 years later, I'm Amazing. still doing advisory boards for women. And we're currently now, Adrian, I think in about 18 countries. That is so incredible. Honestly, mm -hmm. if you imagine the amount of women and the, the global impact that you and Barb are having, is just amazing. So tell me, like, what has it been like for the last 12 years? Because every time I talk to you, I'm going here, I've got an event here, I'm flying here, I'm doing this. I'm do I mean, I think I'm crazy busy. I don't know that I've met somebody that's got a schedule like me, except now you. Right. Well, basically what we do is we help women business owners take their businesses to the next level. So it's not necessarily for startup. There are lots of different programs for startup, but you've had your business two or three years and now you're wondering what to do next. And that's where we come in at Grow Your Biz. So it's support, it's uh, training, it's advisory services, it's making connections for you. Sometimes you just need you know, a little boost. Um, every board that we build um, there are no competitors on the board because you're not going to share your challenges or, or even your new marketing plan if your competitor is sitting across the table. Of course. Right. So no competitors on a board, but all women business owners. So it helps them develop strategic alliances with each other. And women really enjoy getting together and supporting each other. They, they really sure do. do. And, you know, it extends your network because now all of a sudden, all of my network is, will soon know Adrian. You know, it's just the way it happens. And soon I will know people in your network because that's what women do. And you know what? I think if you're aligned with the way that you and Barbara sort of work, you're, you align yourself with these 
female founders that bring such uniqueness and all, like you said, I get the whole competitor, no competitors, which I think is a real edge because some organizations, you pay your membership fee and away you go. That's what I love about Grow Your Biz is you don't do that. But it's also the quality of people that yes. I know that the the few and quite a bit that I've met um, at your events, they're just such quality individuals. And like you said, they're all in the same position. They all want to they want to grow. But the, the difference is what I see. They want to help you as well. That's right. They support each other. So we meet once a month, typically for two and a half to three hours. Um, and they were always in person before. But since COVID, of course, we are now using Zoom for most of our meetings. Some of them are hybrid. Some people are in person and some are on the Zoom. Uh, but it, it's working very well. It's really enabled us to help more women. I mean, I work with women in Nigeria, um, Botswana. I mean, they're everywhere. It's amazing. I'm working with a woman right now in Panama as well. She's on one of my boards. So, you know, it's amazing. And the businesses women have, Adrian. oh my goodness, everything yeah. from worm farming to auto mechanics. I know, right? <laughs> worm farming. I love it. And the thing is, is you wouldn't have necessarily learned that if we were doing in person. I mean, of course, you know, you could sort of do things and you could go here and there. But I feel like with the technology now, it sort of does give you a little bit of an edge to be able to deal with people globally. That's right. And, and more often, don't you feel that now? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I've met the most amazing women. We, we support something called We Empower. It's through the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Yep. And uh, I mean, just some of the women that we have, like one young woman I have on one of my boards, she makes the most beautiful sandals but they're made in the Dominican Republic out of recycled tires and old airplane seats. What? So the soles are made from the recycled tires and the tops are made from recycled airplane seats. Okay, well now you're gonna have, to, okay, we'll include it in the description below. Those are sandals, talk to me about shoes anytime. Right, okay. Especially oh. flip-flops and sandals are awesome. And yeah. we'll include that in your description. And how innovative, I mean, something that is somebody else's trash, somebody's turned into, you yeah. know, a sustainable, recycled, yeah. great for the environment business and how innovative and how interesting. Yeah. And so you get to deal with all these amazing women. And I've got, I've got a million questions for you, but I know we're limited in time. So yeah. let me ask you two or three quick questions. Okay. Now, I know you've got an amazing event coming up, a fireside chat, which right. this podcast will be out for years and years, so we won't necessarily date it, although I'll, I'll include everything in the description and in our socials for those who want to attend. But when you put together these private events, a lot of thought has to go into who you bring. And looking at your lineup, I'm like, wow, this touches on so many important things for so many different women. Yeah. And you must have, like, you must not sleep at night and you and Barbara must be going through, you know, okay, well, we're going to do this for this and this. And wow, what, what kind of thought goes into planning a private event like that? Like, where do you get your ideas from? Well, the whole point of a fireside chat is to educate people, but I don't just want to educate them. I want to edutain. 
So, you know, it's educate them and entertain them, but also, you know, help them learn about other areas. And when I pick the speakers, first of all, they need to have a great story because I need them to inspire the women in the audience. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they really need to do that. But I want like dynamite women who are willing to share their stories openly as well. And so for this particular um, fireside chat, which is on, I guess I can say the date, November 29th, but it may be past that when you're seeing it. But um, what I will do is interview these women. And also, if we have time permitting, let the audience ask them questions too. The Q&A. How did they get to where they are? So I have three entrepreneurs and one corporate woman. I have the senior analyst from BMO Capital Markets coming. She's been in, uh, in that arena for over 25 years. So, but she's, she's a minority woman um, and it's interesting. Her story, you know, her family was immigrants too. And her story is absolutely amazing. The other three women are entrepreneurs. One's a lawyer who specializes in HR law which as you can imagine, since COVID is very timely, everyone's having challenges dealing with staff or even hiring, hiring, retaining, um, you know, and having people come to the office sometimes is a big challenge now. Sure. Still working from home. They don't want to come to the office. Mm -hmm. um, so she has an incredible story. She's actually just done a TEDx talk, Laura Williams. So she's a, she's a dynamo and has quite a large uh, law firm herself. The next one is Susan Bennett. Susan Bennett is, I guess for lack of a better term, you would call her an interior designer, but she only does corporate. She mm. does some incredible corporate and retail interiors. But Sue's message is she only uses sustainable product. Wow. Well, very different from you know some of the other design firms. So, and she's had her business quite a while as well. And um, I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, what she's up to next. And she ranked number eight on the top 100 women last year, I believe it was. Wow. And then the last one is a doctor, a doctor, Elizabeth Goldspink. And she's a naturopathic doctor, but she's also the young mother of a three and five-year-old. So she's growing her business because she's developed a line of supplements for women specifically. And so she's juggling, looking after these little people, plus growing a business and managing everything else like, like the rest of us when our children were younger. So um, some of the young women in the audience will really relate to her because they'll have the same challenges. I love that. And that's what I'm saying. You, It seems like you touch on almost everything. So regardless of who you are, I mean, I think for any kind of founder, entrepreneur, um, C-suite executive, we've all got as women, similar challenges, slightly different with kids, without kids, um, you know, whatever your challenges or your obstacles may be. And that's why I love you bring people from just all diverse backgrounds. And the important thing that you said too, which is again, the whole premise of the podcast and the magazine, is the struggles part of the story. So the fact that they are willing to share their stories that, you know, and, and I know you remember a lot of people are very private and privacy is very important. I don't think you need to go and put everything out on social media and, and, or not tell the truth about it, but 
people are very hesitant to talk about their their struggles and i feel like as women it is so incredibly important to be able to share that because with that comes such knowledge through storytelling you can teach so much to so many individuals so i'm so honored and i cannot wait for your event one of many obviously Thank you. Uh, so that's going to be awesome. And of course, we're going to cover it. And I'm going to definitely put all of that out as well. Mm -hmm. I would like to ask you what you believe. We've got maybe two or three minutes left. I'd like to ask you, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? Well, you know, I've had a few situations, including when I sold my business. Um, I sold my business to a large American conglomerate. They were publicly traded on NASDAQ. And I agreed to stay on and work for them for three years. The three years were almost up. And one day I arrived at the office and all my staff were locked out in the parking lot. Filed chapter 11 in the US and Ernst and Young had locked the doors. That's the day you put your big girl panties on. I, like I, I'm usually never speechless, so wow. Yes, definitely big girl panties and then some. So to you, unbreakable means doesn't matter the obstacle. You just keep moving forward. That's right. You solve the problem. And there's no stopping you. There's always going to be, there's going to be hills and valleys. There's going to be obstacles. But by the sounds of your, the way that your life has sort of been, Every, and life, with life comes suffering, with life comes obstacles. That's but right. even when you talk about the cancer, you're like, that was just something else I had to deal with. And having that easy flow, wonderful, positive attitude, I think is what makes you unbreakable. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. not oh. about giving up. No, that's right. It's always moving forward, Adrian. It's, uh, and doing what's best for everyone around you. Like when that happened to me, all those people were looking, they still looked at me as the leader. I had to step up and take care of everything. And I did, you know, I had to do what I had to do. And it took me nine years to build the business back up again, but I did, you know, so that's what you do. That is incredible. I absolutely love everything you do, everything you stand for everything you're going to do, because I just have this gut feeling, women's intuition, spidey sense, whatever you want to call it, that you are just beginning because there's definitely no stopping you. And I am thrilled to have been able to speak to you for a little bit, but you know, this is only part one of many, many parts, because I know you've just scratched the surface, right? Of everything and, and all your amazing stories. And if I can leave you with one last question, and I love putting you on the spot because you've always got an answer. If you had to say something to your younger self, and it's such a sort of cliche question, I don't know what you'd say because <laughs> I think you'd have to talk to your two-year-old self because you had a business at 10, but would you have done anything differently or would you... Just sort of hindsight is, is very, very, in my opinion, therapeutic. Would you say anything differently, have done anything differently? The only thing, only one thing, you know, I bought back the assets of the old business. I would probably have let it go and started fresh again. Mm. Uh, 
you know, when I look back, that was the only thing that I would have. But other than that, nothing, nothing. You, you know, live a life of no regrets. That absolutely, absolutely. I how do you change the thing? <laughs> how do you do that? Because whatever you want to make your next, you know, billion dollar business, bottle that and sell it. Yeah, you'll be a billionaire. But how do you do that? Is it? And I know we're we're kind of past our time, but I really need to understand this, not only for me but for all our viewers. How important is that? To live a life of no well, regret takes a lot of um, confidence and it takes a lot of thought. How do does. you do that? Well, you know, it, it's really, I take care of Marg and that's really important for all of us. You have to be, um, you know, in good shape, well rested, um, eat healthy because it makes such a difference to how you behave mentally. If you're not looking after yourself, it, it makes a huge difference. It really does. I make sure I get my sleep most nights, <laughs> not always, but uh, very little keeps me awake anymore now. But um, yeah, looking after myself mentally and physically is really important. And now did yeah. you, and how ironic that that's sort of the theme for our first magazine, but I want to ask you, were you always like this? Because for me, and I know for most women, you almost feel selfish. You know, this was back in the day, you know, many years, decades, maybe uh, I've realized how important, like how you're saying self-care is sort of the foundation of everything. Cause if you're not good, nobody else around you is good. Right. So no, it wasn't always like that. that. No, I wasn't always like that. No, um, I had my business. I was running flat out. And, and I'd sort of almost get to overwhelm point and then I do a brain dump and deal with everything. But uh, as we get older, you know, we learn and I wish I knew the, the strategies and the things I do now to help me back then when I was starting my business. And that's why I share a lot of that with the women on our Grow Your Biz boards, because I want them to have the benefit of learning from the mistakes I made. That is that is paramount. And that is so humble of you a lot of people keep you know their uh, self-care or their secrets uh to success close to their chest i really applaud you and women like you that are willing to share because i think it makes the journey a collaborative one and it makes the journey for others that much more if you want to say easy nothing in life is easy i understand that but it just makes it that much more like you make people feel like they're not alone and you right. give people ideas, which I love mm -hmm. and appreciate so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait for our next chat. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Adrian. It was my pleasure. Oh, I loved it. Thank you.